AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 423 for your Saturday, March 26th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and this is the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your weekends, wherever you may be. It's Friday afternoon. I'm sitting here. And I didn't really have much outside of a couple of stories about Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania, WWE shuffling around the card for WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes has been in the news on Friday morning, courtesy of WrestleVotes. There is internal discussion about Cody Rhodes' presentation coming on into the WWE. And I'm asking myself, is this enough to actually sit here for an hour plus and go over whatever I need to go over with you guys. And then I'm sitting here, and I go on Twitter, and I see Triple H on ESPN, and he's being interviewed by Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. And he talked about his career, and where he's going, and where he's moving on into the future, and he finally detailed what had happened during his cardiac event, and why everything was just out there as far as his removal from WWE. And today we're going to go over that. And I've been very vocal about Triple H and his removal of all of his power from NXT. And I honestly do believe that at the end of the day, when NXT had undergone all the changes, it wasn't necessary. It didn't need to be the way that we see it now. Triple H did not need to be removed from power. Everything Triple H was doing with NXT was the right way to go about things. I honestly think he was blackballed and treated unfairly. And I think his methods, I think his vision is exactly, or at this point was exactly, what WWE needed to ensure that they would have a very successful on-air product in the future. I cannot see that happening the way the current regime is handling things. So today we're going to go over what Triple H had stated. I have not watched this interview yet. I want to at some point today, but we're going to detail the most important thing, and that is about his health. So that's the big story here today on Off The Script. Also, I did mention Cody Rhodes. Apparently, there is internal discussion about Cody Rhodes and his presentation and what WWE would like to do with Cody Rhodes. The only thing stopping them is, of course, Vince McMahon. 
So we're going to talk about that, as well as Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. What do they have planned for both of those guys? It's ever-changing as far as where that is going to be slotted on the card, what those two guys are going to be doing. I got all the latest. Also, Chad Gaspard, he is now the next inductee to the WWE Hall of Fame. He is going to be receiving the Warrior Award this year during WWE's Hall of Fame ceremony. And I got the latest on the update about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Will we be getting another Battle Royal this year for WrestleMania weekend? That is both men's and women's. I got both uh, stories there as far as which one are we getting or if we're getting anything at all this WrestleMania weekend. Thank you guys very much for joining me right here on OTS. This is episode 423 for your Saturdays. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We need a thousand likes minimum. Make sure you guys go and do that for me. I would really appreciate it. It helps out the video and it gets the video and the channel out there to more eyes and ears. And you guys can do that simply by hitting the thumbs up. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter and Instagram, like I said, mostly on Twitter where you guys are there and we live tweet during all the weekly shows and you guys get in real time updates about what's going on with the channel. That's at JD from NY206 on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys also turn on that bell. Very important. It is a great way to be in the know and get notified when I do upload a video. And when I do go live, which is a lot during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then when appropriate for all major pay-per-views. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. It's been a very busy week here on Off The Script, including some gaming content. There's gaming content right now on the channel, WWE 2K22 My Rise, which is their new version, more of the same, really, of my career. So if you guys want episode one and episode two, those episodes are on the homepage right now in their playlist. Go and check them out. Very entertaining, very funny. I created a character in my own likeness and I gave him a personality and we're rising up through the ranks in WWE. If you guys find that entertaining and you want some laughs, go check it out. It's on the homepage right now. Bonfire is the place to get all your official merchandise. That's bonfire.com, the exclusive home of OTS. And make sure you guys check out my sponsor for today's show, and that is Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash script. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. Best part is when you guys sign up for the 30-day free trial, you don't want the 30 days past your free trial period you can cancel anytime, and you still get to keep your audiobook for free. It sounds like a great deal to me. AudibleTrial.com slash script. Let's start off with Triple H, man. This is a big story. We'll save Cody for the middle of the show. Triple H was on first take on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith. Triple H says he will never wrestle again. Following a near-fatal heart failure, I think that much was pretty much in the know. Everybody kind of came to an understanding about Triple H never wrestling again in the WWE. 
I don't think it was a secret to anybody that he was never going to wrestle. I honestly thought everybody was hoping and maybe wondering if he was going to come back and have any role or any managerial role in the new NXT. What was Triple H going to do after life? Pretty much that he created in NXT. I have been very vocal about Triple H. I've been very vocal about Triple H. NXT did not need to undergo the changes that we currently see right now. There's nothing that I see that is redeeming about the product. Nothing. Everything Triple H did and his vision and the way he set forth with NXT, the whole look, the whole feel, the whole quality of what we got, the talent that he cultivated and the talent that he went out there to scout to bring on into the company, it was all for the future of the company. It was all to create WWE and put WWE in a better place for the future. WWE right now is not set up on TV to go into the future and have any redeeming quality whatsoever. WWE television right now, the way we see it, run by Bruce, run by Vince, run by John Laurinaitis and Nick Khan, they're doing anything that they can to merely get by. There's no vision. There's no long-term vision in what they want the product to look like. There's no long-term vision in what they want the product to feel like. I've said this time and time and time again. Everything we've seen from the moves that they made, the terminations that we've heard about, and the blatant disrespect to the black and gold that we've visibly seen on television a.k.a. Braun Breaker breaking the black and gold NXT logo and breaking everything about NXT 1.0 down to the ground because he's the new leader of 2.0 and he is working for Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard now. All of these things are not by some random happening. No, it didn't happen because it looked cool. It happened because there was a calculated assassination of Triple H to get him and remove him from power. Everybody knows this. If you don't and you're not on board with that narrative, you need to start getting on board with that because the NXT that you're watching right now has nothing to do with Triple H and everything that you watched in the past was the way that it needed to be. It was a blatant change because they didn't want Triple H in power. Why didn't they want Triple H in power? Because Triple H was creating his own team. Triple H wanted to take over. That's why they were named NXT TakeOver. That's why there were NXT performance centers popping up all over the globe. Triple H had a vision. It did not fit with Vince McMahon's vision. Then all of a sudden, one day, AEW pops up. This new baby promotion led by Chris Jericho and John Moxley, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, backed financially by Tony Khan, they're going to Wednesday nights. They're actively competing with NXT now. WWE moved NXT from the WWE Network at one hour, which it was perfect in, to USA Network at two hours. With the show expanding, it started to feel less and less and less like it was on the WWE Network. WWE put NXT on USA Network at two hours to actively compete with AEW and Tony Khan. Who made that decision? That wasn't Triple H's decision. Triple H don't make those kinds of decisions. That is a company-influenced decision 
The only one that could make that move and sign off on that move is Vince McMahon. He put Triple H there. Hey, son-in-law, take care of this. I don't want to be bothered with this new promotion popping up. What happened? Triple H beat AEW a couple of times, handful of times, with some WCW-themed shows that he had to put out there to really make the show feel more important than it really was. And then, ultimately, he failed. Vince McMahon put NXT on Wednesday night at two hours, put Triple H in charge of taking care of AEW and slowing their momentum. When he did not, he got punished for it. In every single aspect, everything that Triple H did to cultivate talent, to build a brand that was going to be the foundation of WWE's future was simply wiped away because he failed at beating AEW and slowing their momentum. And now it is a freight train that cannot be stopped. The only thing that's going to stop AEW and have AEW fail is AEW. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Not with networks wanting to give them more money, not with a brand new video game coming out, and not with the attendance figures that they continue to blow away year after year after year with the pay-per-view numbers doubling year over year over year from where they won in year from where they were in year 1. Triple H, everything he did as far as NXT is the greatest thing that the man has done as far as his legacy is concerned. I could sit here and give you fucking matches that I loved that Triple H was in, his shit with Kurt Angle, his feud with Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels, his feud with The Rock, his feud with Austin, his feud with Shawn Michaels in 2008. And everything about that match with the Armageddon match that they had and the fucking three stages of hell match that they had. Triple H's best feud ever, ever, was with his best friend. Those matches will live in my mind, in my memory, in my heart, until the day I'm in the grave. Those are Triple H's best in-ring moments. His feud with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, it was a long-term storytelling, long-term booking dream. Shawn Michaels failed to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, even putting his career on the line if he could not do it. He could not do it. In comes his best friend that has been to war with him and uh, against him. So, Triple H coming in to continue that long-term vision. Beautiful. Absolutely magnificent. Their Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania, one of the best Hell in a Cell matches that WWE has ever produced. The fucking emotion in that match is ever, rarely, going to be duplicated. Everything about Triple H... You can sit here and say Reign of Terror this and him marrying Stephanie McMahon that and him and uh, NXT. He wanted to really show who he was with NXT and tried to make good with all the bad that he did. And that's why he did NXT. He wanted to be put in the good circle amongst all the people that think he did bad. Whatever the case may be with Triple H. I could sit here and go over career statistics. I could go over how many titles he's won. I could go over how many matches he's had that are five-star matches. Whatever the case may be. His match with Brian is a great example. His match with Brian at WrestleMania 30, one of the best matches that the man has ever had. Both Brian and Triple H. The man has had great moments. Him winning the WWE title in 2016. I actually advocated for that. Not for WWE putting it on Roman Reigns. But I thought that was a great story for Triple H to tell. Triple H made Daniel Bryan. Triple H and the authority made Daniel Bryan. He has done more out of the ring 
that has been more influential than he's done in the ring, in my honest opinion. With him leading NXT in its first eight, nine years before the fucking disaster that happened that is NXT 2.0, Triple H's legacy, everything he did in NXT is the absolute pinnacle of the man's career because you saw... No matter what you thought of him or what you think of him, you saw what his vision was. You saw his taste in talent. You saw him cultivate talent. You saw him put a team together. You saw the quality of the shows. You saw what passion really is when Triple H was out there. You saw somebody that legitimately had the best interest of the company at heart. You saw somebody that knew changes need to be made. Or needed to be made. They still need to be made. And I doubt they ever will. You saw a man that knew changes needed to be made. And now those changes are wiped away because of greediness and this narrative to get him out of power because if Triple H was in charge, he'd be doing a lot better with his team in charge than the current team right now that is in place. I've been very vocal about this. You're not going to find a Triple H supporter out there that is bigger than I am with what the man did in NXT, and you're not going to convince me otherwise that NXT, the way we saw it, isn't the best way for WWE's future. Anything is better than what we're getting on TV right now. At the end of the day, we knew the man was never going to wrestle again. At the end of the day, we were more concerned about his health. But at the end of the day also, it is absolutely pathetic and said that the man was ousted from his position the way that he was, and the reasons why he was ousted are exactly what I documented and detailed here. Triple H sat down with Stephen A. Smith. Triple H admitted his cardiac event was life-threatening, and he would never wrestle again, ever. Citing his viral pneumonia, Triple H said he had fluid in his lungs and in his arms, and that his heart ejection fraction had gotten down to 12%. A normal ejection fraction ranges from 55 to 60%. He says, by that time I got to the emergency room, my ejection fraction had gotten to 22%. I had heart failure. Bad. It got down to 12, Triple H said in this interview. I was nosediving, and I was at the one-yard line of where you need to be or where you don't want to be. It makes you appreciate the things you have. When asked if he would ever wrestle again, Triple H plainly responded by saying, I'm done. I will never wrestle again. Triple H was an enduring presence on WWE television. He suffered this cardiac event last year, back in September. The event was said to be very, very, very serious. This was a quote from Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Radio. Meltzer went on to note that there's no way Triple H would be able to physically perform at WrestleMania 38 or any WrestleMania for that matter due to his condition. Triple H last wrestled at a WWE live event in June of 2019. His last broadcast match was the same month on June 7 against Randy Orton at Super Showdown 2019 in Saudi Arabia. He was recently spotted touring WWE's new headquarters facilities in a random video that appeared on TikTok. Triple H previously led NXT, which I just documented, in what many thought was part of the process of grooming him to be the heir apparent of Vince McMahon. While at that position of the original NXT, he was the, he was the man in charge. He was the boss, known affectionately as NXT 1.0. That's what I've been calling it. Triple H, he really came off as somebody the hardcore fans put their hope and faith into. That wasn't by coincidence. 
Triple H is not going to go out there and have these endearing fans praise him as the next heir apparent if he wasn't doing a great job. Everybody felt the same way. Whether you watched NXT religiously or you did not, at some point, you you found some aspect of what he was doing and knew exactly what he was doing, saw or heard about what he was doing, and you knew that everything he did was just right. Everybody wanted him to be the man on the main roster. Following NXT's loss during the Wednesday Night Wars, Triple H was stripped of all his power. He was manipulated and blackballed out of power. This is now the Nick Khan, Bruce Prichard, and Vince McMahon era of NXT. NXT 2.0 is a reimagined NXT under the Vince McMahon regime. Everybody was fired. William Regal, Samoa Joe, everybody on Triple H's team, all of his higher-ups, his key officials, gone. Everybody that was once on that roster that was the heart and soul of NXT, gone. Now with Tony Khan, or or if some of them are still around, they are buried on the main roster. Triple H says he was done with wrestling. His future behind the scenes still remains to be a huge question mark. Paul Levesque, even though all these questions still don't have any answers, Paul Levesque is on the road to recovery from his serious medical issue. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. That Triple H is going to be on that road and continue to be on that road to recovery. I think everything that we talked about for months, years, is now hearsay. It's still angers me to know what happened to NXT because all I ever wanted was a better product. A better product resided in that man's heart. And to see it stripped away the way that it was, it bothers me to no end. The fact that we knew WWE could be as great as we know it could be. But WWE doesn't want it to be as great as Triple H wants it to be. That's the sad reality of the situation. Nothing but love, nothing but respect for Triple H. And my heart goes out to him in all aspects. I'm glad he's on the road to recovery. Moving on with the rest of the news, man. Let's go into some current WWE happenings. Gable Stevenson. I'm hearing a lot about Gable Stevenson. He even said he's going to be at WrestleMania. He retired. He retires from amateur wrestling after winning his second consecutive NCAA title. Gable Stevenson will be making the transition from amateur professional wrestling to sports entertainment. It's not real professional wrestling. It is sports entertainment. That's what WWE is looking at. All they want is his name value. They think that he's going to be the next Kurt Angle. Oh, my goodness. He's got a long way to go. The University of Minnesota standout, Gable Stevenson, left his shoes on the mat during his last match to signify the end of his amateur career ending after winning the heavyweight title. This accomplishment is in addition to his Olympic freestyle gold medal and three Big Ten championships. He says via ESPN, it's done. I knew what I came to do. I was going to win an Olympic gold medal, win the national tournament again. It's just weird. I don't know how to describe it. Gable Stevenson became the first exclusive NIL athlete in WWE history when he signed his deal last September after meeting with Vince McMahon 
one month prior. WWE gave him a multi-year deal to let him stay in school while also training part-time to be a WWE superstar. They even set up a training facility near the campus for him to train. His contract begins the day after he graduates this May. Although although Gable Stevenson has yet to make a, a simple appearance on WWE television outside of a pre-recorded video package when they drafted him to Monday Night Raw or maybe shown him in the crowd during one segment on a Monday Night Raw when they actually first signed him, he hasn't even taken a bump in a WWE ring live on television. And like I said, he was drafted to the Monday Night Raw roster during last year's WWE draft. Gable's brother, Bobby, also signed the WWE deal and is already training at the WWE Performance Center. I believe he might have made one appearance on the new NXT 2.0 or one of those NXT Level Up shows that they've just now added to the Peacock Network. His name is not Stevenson. They changed his name completely to Damon Kemp. That is his NXT given name. After his retirement, Gable made it clear he was grateful for his time in amateur wrestling. However, he then seemingly spoiled his WWE debut and said he will be at WrestleMania 38. He tweeted that he will be at WrestleMania and uh, WrestleMania 38, and then he immediately deleted the tweet. Did Gable Stevenson? He says, also, I will be at WrestleMania. It's time. That tweet got deleted. Stevenson, though, a little bit more vocal in what he's going to be doing on television. Gable Stevenson already is claiming the name Gable and called out Chad Gable and said that there can only be one Gable on WWE television. Boy, oh boy, did they get him prepped already. WWE already has Chad Gable with Otis. They are known as the Alpha Academy. And because Gable Stevenson has name value, since he's an Olympic gold medalist, he won't be getting a new name. He will not be changing his name like his brother, Bobby. They changed his name to Damon Kemp. They're not going to give Gable Stevenson a new name. They're going to use his name on TV because that's why they hired him. That's why they signed him. They didn't sign fucking Damon Kemp. They signed Gable Stevenson. But WWE has this fucking fear of having somebody on the main roster or more, more than one person on the main roster that has the same name. It could be uh, somebody with the name Gable as their first name. You can't have the, the last name of Gable on, on your television, right? Nikki Cross was a great example. Nikki Cross was C-R-O-S-S, Cross. Killer Cross, or now Killer Cross, Carrion Cross, he got demoted to the main roster, ultimately buried and then fired. His cross was with a K. K-R-O-S-S. No, but Vince McMahon can't have two people on the roster with differing names, though it's pronounced the same. Oh, I can't have that. So let's turn her into a fucking superhero with a fucking mask and bury the shit out of her and make her an embarrassment, we'll now change her name from Nikki Cross, because we have Karrion Cross, who's not there anymore, to Nikki Ash, or what I like to call Trash, because she's not on television. WWE has this weird phobia. Oh, we can't have two people with the same name. He's already in the know. 
shows you where they're bringing him and putting him when they bring him to television. This guy's gonna give in. This guy's gonna be given the rocket pack, and my God, man, that's filled with the fucking most fastest fuel possible to get him to the top. It's gonna happen. This guy's gonna come in. This guy's gonna make an immediate impact, man. Whether he's good or not, that's gonna be up to determination from people like us, the fans. Chad Gable, Chad Gable, will be at WrestleMania to challenge with Otis. RK Bro and the Street Profits in a triple threat match for the Raw Tag Team titles. He did an interview, did Steveson, with MMA Hour. We're going to have to talk to Chad Gable. I mean, I don't, when I even talk to him, I don't know when. It could be at WrestleMania. It could be somewhere else. I'm just not sure when I'll be able to talk to him. You can't have two Gables. You can't, but right now we do. So there might have to be a little switcheroo. I don't know, but I love Chad, too. He's a cool dude. Yes, because WWE takes us to be a bunch of blithering fucking idiots. We can't tell the difference between Gable Steveson and Chad Gable. No, it's, it's impossible for the fans to figure out who the fuck is who. It's impossible that these two men can have the same name. One has Gable as his last name. The other has Gable as his first name. Oh, it can't be. We can't live in this existence. You fucking serious. So I'm assuming this all but confirms Shorty G is coming back to WWE. Right? Bruce? Man's had a career renaissance. Yes, let's strip him of his fucking name. This guy has taken the ball with his gimmick and run with it. Let's change his fucking name. Because he's not an Olympic gold medalist like Gable Stevenson, or doesn't have the value of the name Gable Stevenson. He can't have his name Chad Gable. Fucking ridiculous, man. This company sickens me to no end. Now, we don't really know, but this is something that they've done in the past, so I'm not going to be surprised if it's done here in this case with Gable and Gable Stevenson or Chad Gable, whatever. Two Gables. Make them a fucking tag team. The Gable Twins. WWE may be changing plans yet again for Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. Earlier this week, it was reported by Reddit user Kermit125Ribbit that WWE's plan is to have the Kevin Owens Stone Cold Steve Austin segment close out WrestleMania Night 1 on WWE.com Charlotte Flair and Ronda Drowsy, Ronda Drowsy, I'm main eventing WrestleMania with Charlotte Flair. Okay, all right, enough of that. Ronda Drowsy, this is the main event of night one for WrestleMania. This was confirmed by WWE.com, and then it was then posted on their Twitter account. Dave Meltzer noted in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that some minor changes have been made to the show, and according to those in WWE, Flair and Drowsy were scheduled to close the show. That was the word as of this week, but it was noted that the match orders change frequently and will continue to do so until the day of the show because Vince McMahon doesn't know what the fuck he wants. He's not a man that makes a decision and sticks with it. Sometimes all you need is one decision. This man needs about 87 different match orders to contemplate and sift through. The only thing that's been locked in from the start is that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar will main event night two 
of WrestleMania. Seemingly, they have The Rock in their back pocket. That's why that's main eventing night two and not night one. In regards to WrestleMania Saturday, Dave Meltzer wrote the following. It would go against tradition to have a non-match go on last. But if you think about it, Owens and Austin's segment probably should go on last because it would be the biggest thing on that show and to be excited about, and it would get the best reaction. Putting it on in the middle of the show would peak the show early, and putting it next to last would risk having people leave or heat being down on the Flair and Rousey match, especially if it's late. You can criticize Dave Meltzer all the fuck you want, man. The man makes sense. You cannot put this on in the middle of the show. Steve Austin not coming back to be a middle-of-the-road segment at WrestleMania on night one. Steve Austin would probably tell you, I I honestly think out of everything Stone Cold realizes the match order and how important it is and realizes that it's probably best if this goes on last. Now, it would go against tradition, yes. Yes, it would go against tradition. But there really isn't anything on that show that would constitute to me as being a main event. You can cry all you want to me about Ronda Rousey winning the Royal Rumble. Put them on next to last. Put them on next to last. Do you look at Meltzer and say he doesn't make sense? He absolutely does make sense. If you put Ronda Drowsy and Charlotte Flair on after Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens, there is going to be a severe lack of interest in anything those women do. That's the most important aspect you need to think about here. If you put them on last after Owens and Steve Austin, there's going to be zero excitement and zero interest for that match after they just watched Stone Cold Steve Austin stomp a mud hole and drink ice-cold beer all over Kevin Owens' unconscious body. You don't want that. I would rather put Charlotte and Ronda on before Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That way, you give the people something to look forward to. And let's be real. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Drowsy is not nowhere, not nowhere on any planet, a main event match. This is a main event snooze fest waiting to happen. What are they even fighting over? Yeah, they're fighting over the SmackDown Women's Championship. But what is the basis of the feud? Everything, every interaction, all the intensity has been forced. Forced. Ronda Rousey has the armbar. Ronda Rousey has the ankle lock. Oh, Charlotte Flair's got to add a submission move to her repertoire to keep up with the submission specialist, Ronda Rousey. I'm sorry. You find this to be interesting? I don't. Now, WrestleMania, I talked about this on the extra I did on Thursday. They're already making quiet changes to the show. They moved, get this, WWE moved Edge and AJ Styles from night two to night one. Now, I got people telling me, oh, the reason why they're moving Edge and AJ Styles from night two to night one, where night one is already the better of the fucking two shows just based on the card that I've seen, Edge and AJ Styles are being moved to night one to make room for Cody and Seth Rollins on night two. So you're right back in the same boat that you were in before you moved the fucking match. Night two looks like a fucking dumbass version of a generic SmackDown from Bumblefuck USA. You guys are paying money to go see SmackDown be concealed under the WrestleMania logo. Great. 
great. I'm glad you guys wasted your money to go to WrestleMania. No matter how good the experience, by all means, buy your $20 Cracker Jacks and your fucking $16 Coors Light. You fucking idiots. So they moved Edge and AJ Styles to night one to make night one better. Leave night two completely fucking bare useless. All for Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins to be moved tonight. You're right back in the same boat that you were in before you moved the fucking match. How about this one, geniuses? Why don't you have both of those matches happen on the same fucking night so you give at least some importance to night two over night one? Being that night two has the biggest match in WrestleMania history. I'm a fucking genius. WWE clearly has a priority to make night one better than night two. Maybe, they, maybe they're lacking in ticket sales for one of the nights. I have no idea. Maybe they maybe they think that Lesnar and Reigns is such a huge draw that we could make the card whatever we want, but we're putting this match on last, and that's what people want to see. That's a shit way to look at it. I don't know why you can't have Cody versus Seth and Edge versus AJ Styles on the same show. That would give a reason for people to go buy tickets tonight too. Maybe tickets tonight one isn't selling all that well. I'm sorry. Nobody has interest in Ronda Drowsy. Steve Austin, according to Dave Meltzer, is in fantastic shape, by the way. He looks good. He always looked good to me. He always looked like somebody that keeps up with how he looks. Meltzer indicated that fans will get a lot more than just Austin being in an interview segment. He said Austin is in fantastic shape. Melcher says he and I happen to have a mutual friend who just saw him and he told me he's in fantastic shape. So, I mean, he might take his shirt off. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a brawl without a doubt. It's not just going to be a kick in the gut and a stunner. He's training very hard, so it's going to be more than that. Will he do a 20-minute match? No, I don't think so. Will he go seven minutes or something like that and have a brawl all over, all over the place? I kind of expect that, yeah. So that's Dave Meltzer. He's got a mutual friend, and everybody's in the know about Stone Cold's appearance and how he looks physically, and he looks in fantastic shape. By the way, with Meltzer saying it goes against tradition to have a non-match go on last, they ended WrestleMania 36. What was it? 30, yeah, 36 in the Performance Center. They ended WrestleMania 36 with a fucking graveyard match. It wasn't a match. It was a cinematic masterpiece that WWE put on last. So, yes, WWE has this tradition of ending the show with a championship match and a babyface going over, WrestleMania tradition, but, you know, things are things are a little different. And the fact that WWE has a lack of actual fucking care or effort on this show, I don't care if this goes on last. I genuinely don't care. As long as I am happy and I'm here with 5,000 fucking raging fans on my live stream after night one's over, I don't care what goes on last. I'll have my audience, whether it's Rousey or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Speaking of Rousey, Ronda Rousey's dealing with a minor injury. This is coming from Ronda herself. She stated on her Facebook gaming stream that she tore her labial... Labial, which is a thin piece of tissue in the mouth that connects the gums to the upper lip. She says on her Facebook stream, (laughs) excuse me, oh, I'm totally fantastic. I'm fine. I tore my my labial 
which is that little piece of skin that connects your lip to your jaw or whatever, my top jaw. I'm like so sick and not feeling good right now. I'm sorry, guys, if I sound like crap. I've literally sounded like this all day. I'm so tired. I am so fussy. I was on the plane, and I was fussy on the way back. And just, you know, SmackDown was a very physical day. I'm sore, I'm sick, and I'm tired. That was Ronda Drowsy. Speaking on her Facebook stream, I guarantee you 99% of her audience is fucking falling asleep in a coma watching her game. Can you imagine Ronda Rousey gaming? Ooh, I got killed by a camper. Oh, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna go play Elden Ring. And we're gonna challenge ourselves with some big boss fights. Can you imagine that? Holy shit. Ronda Rousey is injured. Is she going to be injured going into her match with uh, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not expecting the match to be any good at all. Imagine this. You know, this is what I don't understand, and this is what pisses me off. Ronda Rousey, I actually liked Ronda the first time going around her WWE run, man. She was great. And this run feels just off. It does. It feels like she's not needed. What is she doing here? I get what WWE was trying to do then, but WWE's women's division right now is in fucking shambles. Ronda Rousey is in shambles. There's no way she's going to make the division look better or help out the division when Ronda Rousey is in herself fucking shambles. She can't even speak. She doesn't even feel like she wants to be there. Excuse me for having a lack of interest. Some good news. WWE is set to honor Shad Gaspard at this year's Hall of Fame ceremony. WWE is going to give former WWE star Shad Gasper the Warrior Award at this year's Hall of Fame. Finally, 2020, Shad passed away following a tragic incident at Venice Beach while with his son as he was taken away by a riptide at the beach just moments before uh, or just moments after Gaspar, his son and a group of swimmers found themselves in deep water. Gaspar insisted when lifeguards got there, that the lifeguards take his son before him, and he was taken away by the water, never to be found until his body washed up on shore, and they eventually found him. He was 39 years old at the time of his death. Since his passing, his best friend tag team partner, JTG, has been pushing for WWE to honor Gaspard with the award that was created following the Ultimate Warrior's death in 2015 for the recipients who have exhibited unwavering strength and perseverance. Dave Meltzer wrote in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it's been reported elsewhere that Chad Gaspard would be the winner of this year's Warrior Award. Those in WWE have confirmed that to be accurate. Literally, hours after Meltzer said that, WWE announced that he would be taking the award at this year's Hall of Fame. Next Friday, you guys can see Gaspard get the Warrior Award as well as The Undertaker and Vader get inducted into the Hall of Fame. The Undertaker obviously is the headline of this year's Hall of Fame. You know, such a sad story, man. JTG, by the way, looks fucking great. Whatever he's done to himself, man, he's getting himself in shape. He's out there on the Indies. He's doing great, man. Good for him. Shad Gaspar, man, this this story was, was so sad. And that level of selfishness in what he did, man, that, that man will be that that man will be honored forever. 
for what he did. That That is truly, you know, in a day and age where we don't have many heroes, that's a hero. That is a hero. I, I even said on Twitter, man, when it was announced, I, I tweeted at WWE and the graphic that they had of uh, what they're doing here with him and the Warrior Award. They should honestly, if they don't want to name the award after him, which I think a lot of people are in that boat, let's just name the award after him. They should combine the awards. Obviously, Dana Warrior and everything that came with that, with the Warriors' death in 2015, clearly it's been a thing for the Hall of Fame. Let's combine the awards. Let's have it be the Shad Gaspar Warrior Award or something to honor both of them. If you don't want to excommunicate the Warrior for whatever he said in the past and you don't agree with the Warrior getting that kind of award because everybody thinks the Warrior was such a shit human being, combine the awards. He should absolutely be in the award name and the presentation of the award just based off his heroic feat here. And he is truly a hero because he gave his life to save his son. That's my opinion there. If you don't want to rename the award after him, at least combine uh, the names and put him in the title of the award because there's no better figure for that award than Shad Gaspar. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. For WrestleMania 38, what is the status on these Waste of Time Battle Royals this year? So, usually, these matches take place at WrestleMania. Sometimes, WWE does it on the pre-show. If we are lucky, we get them on SmackDown, and they have nothing to do with WrestleMania itself. Last year, they did the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on SmackDown before WrestleMania with Jey Uso winning that match. It meant nothing for Jey Uso. It was never talked about after that SmackDown show. And it's not, it's not WrestleMania. So, WWE wants to give everybody a spot, WrestleMania, but they want to put it on SmackDown and claim that it's part of WrestleMania weekend. No, it's not part of WrestleMania weekend. It's fucking SmackDown. It's not WrestleMania. So, shit out of luck for those guys if they actually get put in this match and then get on SmackDown with an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal next week. And they don't have anything for the women because there is no roster for the women's division. So please spare me in giving me and everybody else an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle or a, a Women's Battle Royal, May Young Battle Royal, whatever the fuck you're calling it nowadays. Spare me on getting the women in a Battle Royal because there isn't enough women to go around. You barely had enough women to fill a fucking Royal Rumble, 30-woman Royal Rumble. You had to call 16 or so legends to get into the Royal Rumble because your roster is so depleted because you wanted to fire half of the fucking women's division. So these matches, they're all over the place. They're, they're absolutely meaningless. They're just a shit joke way to get people on the show because WWE feels like they got to get everybody involved WrestleMania weekend, whereas I don't agree with that. If you are something of important to the show and you have done something worthwhile on television, then you should be on the show. All because your name is fucking R-Truth doesn't mean you have to be on the fucking show. Or, or, or all because your name is Drew Gulak, who's done nothing on television, doesn't mean you got to get onto the WrestleMania card. You've done nothing. You've done nothing. WrestleMania spots should be coveted and treated with respect. Not, not have everybody on the show because it's WrestleMania. Or WWE's mentality, let's get 19 matches on the fucking show because WWE doesn't know quality over quantity. They figure the more we give you, the more that they'll, uh, the more they'll be happy or the less they'll complain. I don't see it that way. So, Meltzer talked about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal in the Observer Newsletter. There's been very talk, or very little talk, about this match or either match happening this year. Meltzer says, there's been no talk 
of either a men's or women's battle royal, for that matter, on the roster. There are not a lot of women on the roster who already uh, are there to fill a battle royal, but there are more than enough men. The last we heard about the Andre the Giant men's battle royal was a few weeks ago, and at the time it was probably going to take place on the 4-1 SmackDown show in Dallas. Although there had been a possibility of it being on the 328 Raw in Pittsburgh. Dave says that there are dozens of male stars currently not booked for WrestleMania. Whose fault is that? So it would be easy enough to put together a battle royal, but we'll have to see what WWE actually wants to do this year or whether it will be announced very last minute, which I'm assuming it will. WWE, they have a two-hour pre-show. WrestleMania isn't starting till 8. I believe... WWE is allotted times between 8 and 12 p, uh, 8 p.m. and 12 a.m. on both nights. Now, the allotted time doesn't mean that it's going to go four hours each night. They are just given that allotted block of time. They could do whatever the fuck they want to do with it. They want to go off the air half an hour before 12 o'clock. That's what uh, WWE could do if they wanted to. They have a two-hour pre-show. It's going to be six to eight every single WrestleMania. It's, uh, night one and night two. Six to eight, night one and night two. Now, I don't know what they're going to do as far as that is concerned. Two-hour pre-show not including matches? I think that's a waste of fucking time. You don't need a two-hour pre-show then. What are you going to be doing? Who are you going to be interviewing? Who, who the fuck's going to want to watch a two-hour pre-show of nothing? They're going to have to do something on the pre-show. Maybe they save it for the pre-show. I don't know. But in my honest opinion, WWE has nothing going on for SmackDown for one. I think WWE is going to put it on SmackDown because it would eliminate a nice chunk of the show where they don't have to creatively book a SmackDown show one day before night one of WrestleMania. That's exactly what I think they're going to do. Even though it would make sense to put on WrestleMania's pre-show, I do think WWE is going to take the easy way out and maybe put it on SmackDown to eat up a chunk of SmackDown's two-hour time slot on Fox. That's just the way I think WWE is going to go about it. Now, they have yet to add Finn Balor and Damian Priest for the United States Championship. They could give those guys a nice solid chunk of time on the pre-show. Do I think it should be on the pre-show? No, I don't. I don't think Finn Balor or Damian Priest should be on the fucking pre-show. They've been on television all year round. They should be on the actual Mania card. What is Ricochet going to be doing with the Intercontinental Championship? He's been feuding with Sheamus. Why don't we do Ricochet versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship? I don't know. Maybe Xavier Woods comes back. Maybe we get Xavier and Kingston versus Sheamus and Pete Dunne. I don't know. I have no idea what we do. But, you know, Kofi Kingston's been out there as well. If you don't want Ricochet to defend the Intercontinental Championship because he doesn't have a solid competitor... Maybe we could do any one of those matches. Maybe a six-man tag. Maybe we could get Xavier Woods back. I believe he's cleared. Kofi Kingston and Ricochet versus Rich Holland, Pete Dunne, Butch. His new name is Butch, by the way. And Sheamus in a six-man tag. Maybe we could go about that, which is basically the same thing that Ricochet's been doing since day one, legitimately, with Sheamus and Rich Holland. It's fucking ridiculous. Cesaro and Ricochet wrestled Sheamus and Rich Holland. How many fucking weeks? Ricochet's... Going to be in the same type of match, but this time a six-man tag, but with the New Day and not Cesaro against the same fucking people he's been in the ring with all year thus far. Lack of creativity, but everybody's excited about WrestleMania. Ricochet is the Intercontinental Champion, and the Intercontinental Championship should really be featured on the show. I don't know why we're talking about a fucking battle royal when WWE should take money in the bank, eliminate it as, as its own pay-per-view, and put money in the bank at WrestleMania. 
and have qualifying matches that make Monday night and Friday night seem fucking worthwhile to watch. Have qualifying matches in the ladder match. Ricochet is the Intercontinental Champion. Let's go through five qualifying matches to see who qualifies for this ladder match at WrestleMania instead of giving me a fucking battle royal that means nothing and the winner of it gets nothing but an ugly yellow piss-stained trophy with their name on the plaque. Why don't we get somebody in a ladder match to vie for the Intercontinental Championship? And like I said, when Scott Hall passed away, God rest his soul, let's rename it the Scott Hall or the Razor Ramon Ladder Match Invitational. Yeah, but WWE doesn't want to have any fun with the fucking shit that they have handed to them. They don't want to do what's right. The Intercontinental title should be a staple at WrestleMania. Not on a fucking pre-show or absent completely from the show. Anyway, moving on. Cody Rhodes. You all love Cody Rhodes, right? You guys are fucking excited about all the Cody Rhodes news, right? How many of you are sick and tired of the Cody Rhodes news? Backstage news on Cody Rhodes. This came to WrestleVotes on Friday. There's been a lot of talk about speculation as to what Cody will do when it comes to WWE what his presentation would be, his music, his look, his feel, how he's booked. There's also been some talk and concern from fans that WWE might want to change his character, as Vince McMahon has done with many wrestlers that debut or return. That's what we're worried about. As of right now, it looks like there's a good chance that fans will see the same Cody Rhodes that fans saw in AEW, and WrestleVotes is reporting that two people high up in the company have expressed that the visual of him crossing the line as the American nightmare coming from AEW to WWE is significant here. Russell Votes tweeted, and they say, two very high-profile people were adamant to the boss that if, when, Cody Rhodes arrives, he should be exactly what he was in AEW. Presentation, ring gear, music, pyro, etc. The visual impact of the American Nightmare crossing that line is significant here. Cody owns his theme song, so he would be able to use it in WWE. He was stardust during his last run, but it's very unlikely that he would be used that way again, and all signs point to him getting a big push at least, at least, in the short-term interim that we see him on television. Who knows what Cody Rhodes is going to look like a year, a year and a half from now. He may be in mid-card purgatory with the rest of them, like AJ Styles. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Cody Rhodes' WWE return is a done deal. Although some might think this is still a work, I'm here to tell you it's not. He is there, and he will be at WrestleMania in a match against Seth Rollins. There are those who consider that a silly gesture to think that Cody is still working the fans and that he's not showing up. So Meltzer wrote about this in The Observer, and Meltzer says, the Seth Rollins storyline is listed as ending with a match with Cody Rhodes, which is given the respective lineups at this stage would make the most sense on Sunday. All WWE sources indicate the belief that the deal is done and the match is happening and that any suggestion it isn't is not the case. There are those close to the situation who are still suggesting otherwise, but one person in WWE calls that silliness at this point. Obviously, from television this week, 
The angle hasn't changed at all, as the key thing on the show has been Rollins' inability to get on WrestleMania. You know, it all is going to boil down to Vince McMahon. And that's the scary part of it all, because we don't know what Vince McMahon is thinking on a minute-by-minute basis. But I said this right from the word go. From day one, these news reports and the speculation began to run wild about Cody Rhodes signing with the WWE. I said it in my initial podcast about this. What we're afraid of and what WWE needs to do. There are two things that WWE needs to do as Cody Rhodes is coming on in to wrestle Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Number one, WWE needs to do nothing. They need to do nothing. You take Cody from what he was on AEW television, and you simply take and you apply to your television show. And I mean that in every way possible. Theme music, appearance, pyro, uh, entrance music, anything. Uh, Wrestling attire, the way he sells in the ring, the way he wrestles in the ring, the way he cuts a promo, the fact that he's unscripted every time he goes out there and he speaks from the heart. You change nothing about this man at all. You put him on your television show and you let him go, especially for the money that is rumored to be making anywhere in the ballpark of three to five million dollars. That's another caveat there. WWE's not going to pay somebody that much money to bury them on television. Otherwise, it would not be a great return on their investment. So it looks like Cody, just by what he's making, rumored, that he's going to be at the top of the card for as long as he's there, I hope. Cody Rhodes coming on into WWE gives WWE something that they've been sorely lacking for decades. Emotion. Realism. The only realism we get is an intensity from Brock Lesnar, and that is it. Anything else on that show feels fabricated, forced, unnatural, and not organic in any way, shape, or form. If Cody Rhodes is coming on in to WWE, it gives WWE something that they've been sorely missing, and that is emotion, realism, in-ring storytelling that only we get from guys like Roman Reigns and Randy Orton and Edge. AJ Styles, and when he was there, Brian Danielson. That's it. Everything else is just fucking two to three minute matches, 10 minute matches at most. WWE doesn't really put pro wrestling on television. Cody Rhodes is a pro wrestler. And Cody Rhodes coming on into WWE, if it gives us any more reason to care, or any reason at all to care, which right now is zero, this is the coldest WrestleMania I've ever been a part of. If Cody Rhodes coming on in, Gives any reason to watch WWE programming, it is a W. It is a win for WWE. It is a major win. How many people do I know, a lot of them, that don't watch WWE programming? If Cody Rhodes is on television, I guarantee you, they'll at least pick up the remote control to see what he is doing. Now, you may hate Cody Rhodes, and I don't fault you for that because the guy's a bullshit artist. He went into business for himself. He bullshitted you all for a nice $5 million payday from Nick Conman. I get it. And I don't fault you for that. You can hate him all you want. Me, I don't hold grudges. Go make your money. If you are going to be allowed to make this program better, that's all I want. And that's all I've ever wanted through the bitching, moaning, complaining, and cursing. It's all I've ever wanted. For as many times I hear, well, JD doesn't like it. Don't watch it. Why does he watch it to be negative? Because he gets clicks and this and that. He feeds the, the audience he has with negativity. 
I'm a WWE fan. I see the greatness that WWE could be. I just want a better show. I don't hate the show. I hate the fact that it is the way that it is because I know it could be better. Which goes back to what I said about Triple H and what he would have done to main roster television. That's why it bothers me. Because we know what it could be. If Cody is going to have these these people that don't watch anymore pick up the remote control and watch Monday Night Raw, Friday Night, or wherever he is, it's going to be a win. You do nothing. You put him on television and you let him be Cody Rhodes. Vince, stop with the handcuffs. Stop with the ball and chain. Stop micromanaging and stop making it all about you. You wanted the figurehead of AEW. You got him. Now treat him right. Now do what is right with him to make your show better and do what is right with him because if you don't, nobody from AEW is going to give you the time of fucking day. You want MJF? You want Wardlow? You want Jade Cargill? You want Ethan Page? You want everybody else that you may have an interest in? Then you need to start booking Cody Rhodes as a main event guy. For the next two to three years, when those contracts are up, if Cody's still at the top of the card, and if best, a world champion multiple times in his time here, then you're going to be able to have a very good chance of getting whoever you want from AEW television. This is a test. I don't think Vince is going to pass it because Vince is a fucking diabolical madman. He is a fucking senile motherfucker. He's not going to do what needs to be done because Vince is always right and everybody is always wrong. You think Vince likes to hear this from somebody? No, Vince, we need to take Cody and have him be the same way he was on AEW television. You think Vince likes to be told what to do? Do you? You think Vince likes from upper... Now, I don't know who these upper management people are. It could be Bruce Prichard for all we fucking know. A rare W for Bruce Prichard. Maybe it's Nick Khan. Maybe it's Nick Khan. You think you don't think Nick Khan knows who Cody Rhodes is? You don't think Nick Khan knows who AEW is? You don't think Nick Khan's watching AEW show or eight? You think Vince McMahon likes to be told this? He's probably thinking about polka dots and stardust again. Do nothing. Do nothing. Cody Rhodes is in a rare opportunity to have things work out in his favor and him also get paid very handsomely. WWE needs to do the right thing here. If not, then they could kiss their chances of any other AEW talent coming over. Goodbye. It'll really be their American nightmare. Monday Night Raw ratings. Monday Night Raw ratings from Monday. 1.769 million viewers on the USA Network. Not very good at all for Monday Night Raw. This is actually up from the 1.700 the show did one week ago. 18 to 49 demo saw the average rating of 0.50. That was up from a 0.48 rating. And Raw was ranked number one in the cable top 150 shows on cable for the entire night. So Monday Night Raw continues to trend at number one on USA Network. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles was the main event on Monday Night Raw. They put uh, another WrestleMania spot on the line if Rollins would win. Over AJ, he gets the match with Edge. Clearly, that did not happen as AJ wins by disqualification. Omos defeated Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz in a handicap match. They're about to be on their way out of the company after WrestleMania. That is my prediction. RK Bro versus Alpha Academy. RK Bro wins. Alpha Academy is already in the tag team title match at WrestleMania, so they took a loss. Doesn't really make sense. 
Seems like they can't beat the champions, so why are they even going to WrestleMania and getting an opportunity there at the Tag Team Championships? Doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm the only one asking these questions. Finn Balor beat Austin Theory. Dana Brooke and Reggie versus Akira Tozawa and Tamina. I walked away, so I don't really have the winners or losers in that match. And Becky Lynch channeled her inner golem. She reenacted a line from the Lord of the Rings and pretended she was auditioning for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, in one of the worst promos that I've ever heard in my entire life, which was critically acclaimed in the land of social media, which makes me believe everybody on social media, check marks and uh, beyond, who enjoyed this segment are a bunch of mediocre fucking blithering idiots. This was absolutely embarrassing and absolutely horrendous in every way possible. Every single way possible, that promo did her wrong. Nothing about that Bianca Belair match to me is interesting, and that promo did nothing to get me excited about their match at WrestleMania. Veer. Veer is coming, apparently. And I can't wait to see Veer come to Monday Night Raw. Veer has been wrestling on main event for months, and that is apparently what they've been doing to get him ready. They finally announced when he's going to be making his Raw debut, April 4th, the Raw after WrestleMania. But the version of Veer that we've gotten on main event may not be the version of Veer we are getting on April 4th. Dave Meltzer stated on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it also looks like they may be changing his original character. Now, no word yet on what the new look or the gimmick will consist of, given the fact that he's been teased for months. It would appear that there are plans to give Veer a push in the short term. Now, if you guys are following Veer on social media, on Twitter, go follow him. He looks like a fucking brick house, man. He looks like a fucking monster, like a Mack truck. Plus, his beard game is actually goat status. He looks fantastic. I know everybody's excited about Veer, and I honestly think this is something WWE really didn't plan for. I honestly think this, this bullshit... And all of this hesitation has actually worked in their favor. Another rare W for WWE that wasn't intentional. They just didn't know what to do with him. And then his, I would say his lore kind of grew more and more every week. This guy could be something big if they just put him on television and let him do what he has to do. He's got the look. He doesn't sound bad as far as his vocal skill and his promo ability from what we saw in these vignettes. And honestly, if WWE just lets him go out there and beat people up for a couple of months, I honestly think I honestly think people would really gravitate towards him and, and latch on to him. Now, I, I want to throw something out at you. You know, there was a rumor that Omos is getting a WrestleMania match, possibly against Bobby Lashley. We don't know if Bobby Lashley is cleared or not. We don't know if Bobby Lashley is going to even be at WrestleMania in any capacity, never mind in the ring. That's what they want to do. If Bobby Lashley is injured, is Bobby Lashley coming in to put over Omos? If Bobby Lashley is cleared to go, why would they put him in a match against Omos when Omos has been built like a dominant force? Who's going to win that match? It, it almost comes off as, you're better off not even booking that match, even though Omos is worthless to me. I don't really think it would be beneficial for Omos to lose if they've been building him up as a dominant force on WWE TV. Everybody that he's dominated and squashed would be a waste of time. Only for Bobby Lashley to win. Bobby Lashley coming back also can't take a loss either. So it doesn't really make sense there. And, and I'm going to contradict myself on purpose here. Because Omos has no value. I said this. That's the key thing. Omos has no value here. 
Omos is worthless. Omos is a one-trick pony. You get to the top with Omos, his ceiling is very, very short. So what I would do, if Bobby Lashley's not clear and you want Omos at WrestleMania, instead of putting him in a fucking battle royal and having him win a generic battle royal that does nothing for his career, why don't you do Omos versus Veer at WrestleMania and let's start putting all of our eggs in the Veer basket. How about Veer dominate Omos at WrestleMania and Veer get a big win over Omos at WrestleMania? I see that there's more upside in Veer than there is in Omos. That's that. I like that idea. I really I really think it would, especially him coming out at WrestleMania and him presenting himself for the first time at WrestleMania and squashing Omos, coming in, showing up, dominating, and then showing up on Monday Night Raw. Sounds like a great start to his WWE run, if you ask me. AEW Dynamite topped 1 million viewers this week. Came in at number three. In the top 150 ranking for the Knights. 1.046 million viewers. That's up from the 993,000. The show did one week ago. 0.41 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. This was the highest total viewership and key demo for the show since February 9th. Last week was the St. Patrick's Day edition of Dynamite, which was headlined by Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa inside a steel cage for the AEW Women's Championship. Adam Cole beat Jay Lethal. CM Punk beat Dax Harwood in a great... Both of those were great wrestling matches. Varsity Blondes went up against John Moxley and Brian Danielson, obviously taking the loss there to uh, William Regal's boys. Jericho and Daniel Garcia beat John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, Layla Hirsch beats Red Velvet. And the Hardys with Sting and Darby Allin defeated Private Party, the Butcher, and the Blade in a crazy Texas Tornado match. Thunder Rosa tried to speak until she was interviewed... By, or she was interrupted in her interview with Tony Schiavone by the gargoyle herself, uh, Miss Guerrero there. Uh, she, she's ridiculous. Get her off. Vicky Guerrero has got to go. Vicky Guerrero has got to get off television. And this was a true nightmare for Thunder Rose's first AEW World title run. Starting it off with Nyla Rose. Man, what, what is with Nyla Rose? Getting the title opportunities at every new champion. She did it with Sheeta. She did it with Baker. Now she's doing it with Rosa. Why? Why? And, and what is with the hesitation and interrupting of Thunder Rosa with a live microphone? Can you let the fucking woman speak? She just won a main event in a steel cage match one week ago to win the AW Women's Championship from Britt Baker. Can we let her speak? What is with her not speaking? It's like a fucking thing now. And... Enough of this Nyla Rose bullshit. Get her out of here. She does nothing for these title reigns. Nothing. Just proves to me and everybody that AEW needs to completely revamp their women's division. And nothing's going to be different even with Rosa as champion. And we don't want to feel that way. Wardlow was removed from the AEW roster page. People were making a big deal about this. Ringside News was told by a source within AEW. I don't need Ringside News to tell you exactly what they were doing. But I'm going to read Ringside News' article anyway. Ringside News was told by a source within AEW that Wardlow is still with the company. He still has a considerable amount of time left on his contract, and there is absolutely no heat on him at all. We were told that Wardlow was yanked off the AEW roster page to play into his ongoing storyline with MJF. The angle says that Wardlow was signed with MJF and now AEW. Now that he is no longer with MJF, then he is essentially not signed anywhere. That does not mean that Wardlow is a free agent by any means. This is this 
little thing called storytelling, folks. Storytelling. It's not that big of a deal. AEW goes to the lengths that they do because they want to make the storyline that much more intriguing. Plus, it got you talking about AEW. So, they knew exactly what they were doing. I love it. When WWE starts to pick up on these little things, on what to do and what not to do, then I won't shit on them as much as I do. AEW does these little things that just make you appreciate what they do as far as the stories that they are trying to tell. NXT 2.0 ratings. Highest viewership since January. NXT did 628,000 viewers on USA Network, up from the week prior of 624. Not that big of a jump, but uh, it's in the news. WWE did uh, one point, uh, actually no, 0.14 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. That was the same as one week ago. This was the highest viewership the show has done since January 11th. It was ranked number 29 in the cable top 150 shows for the night. That was up from number 44. Gunther destroyed Duke Hudson. Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai win the Dusty Women's Tag Team Classic, beating Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai. They win this tag team tournament, weeks of tournament matches, to get a tag team shot at Toxic Attraction at the pay-per-view. And then when they win, Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai said, no, we don't want, man, we don't want uh, uh, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. We don't want the tag team championships. We are cashing in our opportunity to make Mandy Rose and Cora Jade the women's championship match into a fatal four-way. So now it's Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, Mandy Rose, and Cora Jade in a fatal four-way. Logic, people. Logic doesn't exist in WWE, yet everybody seems to think Shawn Michaels and Triple H are still in charge of NXT. This is a Bruce special This is a Bruce special. You could go to a fucking sub shop in Manhattan and you could see on the menu, the Bruce. It's going to be called illogical. It's exactly what it is. The illogical Bruce. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. So you gave us a tag team classic for the tag team titles only for these women to get a singles opportunity at a a singles title in a fatal four-way. WWE doesn't need tag team titles and they don't need to do a women's dusty classic because there are no fucking tag teams. Now, especially that this is the outcome. I hope I don't see another one next year. What a waste of time. Treats everybody that watching the show like a complete blithering idiot. Solo Sokoa beat Roderick Strong to advance to the North American Championship ladder match at Stand and Deliver. Grayson Waller did the same to a kid. A kid loses. He gets put in a loser's match. Because that's exactly what WWE does. So he's in a match with Roderick Strong and Cameron Grimes next week to find out who is the final competitor in that ladder match. Tony D'Angelo defeated Dexter Loomis. Electra Lopez beat Fallon Henley, who is a cosplay Mickey James. The Creed Brothers beat the Grizzled Young Veterans. And Braun Breaker beat Bobby Roode, who came out as the old glorious Bobby Roode with Glorious as his theme music. It's amazing. It's amazing how WWE wants to do the right thing when they want to do it, but uh, Bobby Roode goes to the main roster and he's a shell of what he is in NXT. It's it's amazing to me. And then finally, guys, before we get out of here, last story of the afternoon, Dolph Ziggler, speaking of Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler had no idea I was going to win the NXT champion. NXT championship. We had no idea he was going to be the NXT champion. Really? Sounds like the main roster to me, only on Tuesday night. So... Dolph Ziggler, 
WWE had AJ Styles before Dolph Ziggler had a program with Grayson Waller. Uh, Ziggler arrives, though. Then, then we see The Miz, Bobby Roode, Ray and Dominic Mysterio. They've all appeared since Ziggler has made these appearances on NXT 2.0. He, he says, after winning the NXT Championship, he says this. It's pretty wild. I don't want to do in-character stuff. This is a really cool moment. I'm slightly richer. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's awesome. I had no idea I was going to be NXT champion. I didn't plan on it. All I wanted to do was check out some new talent, scout, and see who's got what it takes to get to the next level at some point. Maybe report back. Say, hey, Raw. Hey, SmackDown. Hey, Vince. I see something in these guys, these gals. They could do something big in the future. Let me get my hands on them. And the next thing you know, two weeks later, I'm the NXT champion. WWE only made Dolph Ziggler the NXT champion because, A, he's got nothing to do on the main roster. B, they feel like he's got enough main roster pull that people are going to get into the show with him as champion, and he may grab some of those fans to watch NXT. I don't know if it's working or not. I don't see the sense in him being the NXT champion. Number three, it comes off as a complete deterioration of what they had set forth to do. This is supposed to be a developmental brand. But Dolph Ziggler and Mandy fucking Rose are your champions. Both main roster talent. Some great new fresh talent, up-and-coming talent they're pushing on this brand. I never understood the reason to give Dolph Ziggler the championship. And I said this on my NXT review on Tuesday night. I I don't understand it. If Ziggler and Braun Breaker was your plan to get Braun Breaker over, then I don't know why Braun Breaker needed to lose the championship after winning the championship against Tommaso Ciampa, which you made a big deal about, only to take the championship off of him and put it on Dolph Ziggler. It would have been the same outcome and the same feel if Braun Breaker was the NXT champion and Dolph Ziggler was the challenger. You switched their roles. Ziggler's the champion and Breaker is the challenger. I don't see the difference there. If Breaker ends up beating Ziggler, it's not going to be any bigger or any more important than what it was when he was the NXT champion. They figured, oh, let him go over the the heel and it's going to be a bigger deal. But you already put him over Champa. You made a big deal about it. You destroyed the black and gold. You tore down NXT 1.0 with his fucking entrance. You made a big deal about it. You erased that and now want to start over by him beating Ziggler? Unless Ziggler's going to beat Breaker at Stand and Deliver and Braun Breaker's getting called up. I don't know. None of it makes sense. Again, this is what I call the Bruce. Illogical. And none of the booking, none of the creative makes any sense whatsoever. And Ziggler, by the way, has not made NXT more watchable. In fact, nobody believes in Dolph Ziggler. This guy's been a loser for the duration of his career. WWE treated him as a fucking jobber, a good hand that they can plug in anywhere that they want. Never the never the, the queen of the fucking prom. He's always the fucking servant. He's always the fucking court jester, right? And, and WWE wants me to believe in Dolph Ziggler leading NXT. Sorry, Vince. Sorry, Bruce. Too little, too late. And I don't want to see main roster talent on 2.0 because we get enough of that on Monday night. And the show, the reason why the show sucks is because it's become Monday night 2.0. Monday night Raw 2.0. That's all that it's become. Nothing about it is special anymore. And that's what's sad to me. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you for all of your support. I appreciate you all. Hit that thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off the Script 423. 
Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206, Instagram at JD from NY206, and go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, Wednesday Night Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown. We were live last night, plus all of the WW2K22 content available for you. Guys, I'll be back on Monday live with Monday Night Raw, the go home show for Monday Night Raw, as we are now one week away until WrestleMania. Hit that thumbs up, guys. Thank you so very much. Continue to support. Hit that subscribe button. And I'll see you back next week with a brand new week of WWE content right here on Off The Script. We'll see you guys later.